0: and their American dream. Hello, everyone. Welcome to To Dine for the Podcast, where we meet the world's most creative and innovative minds at their favorite restaurant. Today's episode is a little different because we are celebrating the one-year anniversary of To Dine for the Podcast. It has been an amazing year as we navigated the pandemic and pivoted to keep telling stories of innovation and creativity. We've had to do many of them virtually, and it has led to a lot of really interesting conversations. Today's episode is going to be different because we're taking your questions. Instead of interviewing someone, we're taking listener questions and answering them. Joining me today is one of the To Dine For interns from my alma mater, Notre Dame, her name is Ellie O'Brien she just graduated from Notre Dame and is looking forward to a career in writing so please hello Ellie hi Kate how are you I'm
1: great how are you thanks
0: for doing this today oh I'm
1: so excited to be doing this
0: can you believe it's been a year I mean it's been almost 50 episodes of to dine for the podcast that's in addition to to dine for the TV show that's on PBS and uh, I know you've been really helpful in booking some of those podcasts so thank I thank you. you and thank you
1: for being a <laughs> Part of this. Uh, it, it's been a great experience. It, it's cool to see how, how the podcast has grown, kind of taken on a life of its own. Too. It has, hasn't
0: it? Yeah. 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 I have a lot of people, uh, you know, will send me a quick note, say, I, I watch, I listen to you every time that I'm running or when I take the kids to school. And it, and it really, it's nice to have that weekly connection with our listeners. Right. So um, I'm going to, I'm just going to hand it over to you. Feel free to ask me anything. And we're going to kind of talk through some of the process behind to
1: dine for the podcast. today, Awesome. Well, first, to dine for obviously is dedicated to telling the stories of creatives and visionaries sort of shedding light on the journeys that led them to where they are today. But now, of course, it's time to flip the script. And I want to ask you how your creative pursuit, your vision mm. of to dine for came to be.
0: Oh, wow. Well, it, it's a very long story. We only have a few minutes <laughs> so we have a half an hour podcast. So, um, you know, to dine for really is a culmination of everything that I'm truly passionate about, which is deep, fascinating conversations and really amazing food. And and truly, that's it. When I started to think about the concept of To Dine For, I knew that when people tell you their favorite restaurant, they kind of come alive and they get excited and you see a different side to someone. And I thought, what if we could take some of the most amazing visionary leaders and put them in their favorite restaurant and hear their story? And it was sort of a hunch. It was a hypothesis. You know, will this work? Yeah. We have found out, you know, now <laughs> that we're working on season four of To Dine for the Show And um, this first year, uh, wrapping up this first year of the podcast, we're learning it absolutely does work. You know, people get excited about talking about their favorite restaurant. And so that was the the idea. That was the seed of the idea. And then, of course, the actually making it happen is a whole other story. But that's where it started. Just Mm -hmm. my love of food and great conversation.
1: And where did your love of food begin? Ooh, uh, you know,
0: I didn't grow up going to a lot of restaurants. I grew up in a small rural town. There was a couple of restaurants. We went out maybe once a week. My parents were teachers. We didn't have a ton of money to spend on restaurants. But as I traveled around the country as a reporter, my background is local TV news. I just started to, to fall in love. You know, when when I moved to Arkansas for one of my first TV jobs, I, I fell in love with the, you know, the soul food, you know, the chicken-fried chicken, the chicken-fried steak, the mashed potatoes, the cream gravy, the green beans, the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the yeast <laughs> roll. Um, just that amazing, delicious barbecue and fried chicken. I mean, I could go on and on about southern soul food. That's really where I was like, this is incredible. We don't have anything like this in Massachusetts. Oh no. And <laughs> I just I I I think that may be the very beginning. But when I moved to New York City, I anchored the morning news for CBS and I had to get up at 3.30 in the morning. And, you know, I had no one to eat with at night. You know, there was I didn't have friends. All my friends had jobs. Right. So (laughs) in New York City, you gotta have a job. And so I had, you know, I really had to go to bed at like seven o'clock. So I had no one between the hours of like five to seven to eat with. And I, I, I made a decision. I said, I'm, I'm living in Manhattan, for God's sake. I am not going to sit at home. And I just used food and restaurants became a hobby. And mm-hmm. I grabbed, do you know what a zagat is? No. Okay. <laughs> this is, this is going to age me, but People, some some folks that are listening will know exactly what a Zagat is. It's a it's a little red book, and they Zagat was Nina Zagat created it, and it was like the best restaurants in New York, and oh, cool. she, they were all uh, explained and and profiled and starred and where you should eat. And I literally had my my book my Zagat book, and I would go through New York and eat at the best. You know, Korean, you know Thai, um, steak—the most amazing restaurants in all of Mm -hmm. Manhattan—and I found out that even when when you couldn't get into a restaurant, if you went by yourself. And you sat at the bar, and you went early enough you could get in anywhere. That's and true. And so I just started to like tick it off. You know, I, I, the, I'm going to eat at Jean Georges. That was I remember that was like a, a goal. Uh-huh. Um, and, and ironically, we've we've featured two Jean Georges restaurants on to dine for. <laughs> but it wasn't just about like really nice, fancy, Michelin starred, James Beard award winning restaurants. No, no, no. I wanted to really just talk about food and whether that was like steamed buns in Flushing Queens. Some of the best Korean food is found in Queens. I mean, Queens is one of the most diverse places on earth so you, the, the myriad of restaurant choices and you know not expensive mm-hmm. not not fancy but just delicious
1: right you like know, all the hidden gems The, the hidden like gems. hole in the wall type places yes. can sometimes be the best
0: absolutely
1: and they tell a
0: story you know they mm-hmm. tell a story of the Puerto Rican community the the Korean community the Nigerian community and, 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 you know, Jalof and what you're eating and what, where it came from and, and what it says about a person. And, you know, I just loved every bit of that, but it was a hobby. You know, I was a journalist, I was a reporter, and I didn't really see a way to connect the two until this program.
1: Right. Well, you know, it came together and it came together. So, Beautifully, I feel like. And sort of going back a bit, you've obviously you've had a successful career as a journalist anchoring the news in New York, mm-hmm. in Chicago, and winning Emmys even mm-hmm. for your work. What made you pivot after establishing yourself in this realm and venture really into the unknown by starting your own TV show?
0: I kind of felt like it was my only choice. And this is going to sound crazy because it was such a risk, but I really felt like... This was my only opportunity to go after a big dream. I had been let go from CBS in Chicago. I walked into work one day and they said, "You know, we're going to let you go," and they didn't give a reason. Um, they, it was it was the craziest day. And wow. when that happened, I had a moment. You know, sometimes in life, throws you a curveball. Like you know, <laughs> you think you're going one way, and then all of a sudden, there's a fork in the road, right? And I could make a decision. Could I? Go get, try to get another job back in television news, doing what I was doing, or could I try something different? And for me, it was, I felt like a, a seminal moment to, to go after a big dream. And for me, it was to possibly create this TV show. And, um, you know, looking back, it was such a blessing. It was such an amazing experience because to me, it seemed crazy that this could actually happen. You know, it was truly a dream. And so I set about trying to make To Dine For a reality, and it started with creating a pilot, and it started with shopping it around, and it started with you know meeting after meeting after meeting of where would this show go, and what would it look like, and could it happen?
1: Yeah, wow. Mm -hmm. And you know, speaking of all that, who is a guest on the show that's really resonated with you? Oh, gosh! they all do! You know, like I feel
0: like the purpose of the program is to allow the guest and their choice of restaurant to help tell their story. So I go into it a hundred percent committed with every single guest, totally excited, thrilled to tell their story, and thrilled to hear why they want to eat at that restaurant and so for me, I feel like I have a special relationship a special day with each of these guests it's very hard to pick a favorite guest you know there are some people that surprise you and there are some people like for example kevin kwan who created uh who wrote the book crazy rich asians an author Mm -hmm. that went on to become an international phenomenon he's from this very wealthy singaporean family and writes this outlandish extravagant amazing story about uh wealthy asians I didn't expect to have such a connection with him and just adore him. Uh, He was just such a a nice man. And just he was thrilled to to share his love of crustacean in L.A., in Beverly Mm -hmm. Hills. And, um, you know, it's really nice when you can make a connection with someone over a meal. I mean, that's part of the premise of the show is that, you know, when you sit down to eat with someone, you're going to have a better conversation than you do on a Zoom call or in a conference room. It really is the ultimate connector.
1: Right. And I feel like the past year and a half has taught us that for
0: sure. Yes. The value of connection and Mm -hmm. the value of having a meal with friends and family. Yeah, I agree with you. It's been a hell of a year, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I feel like now more than ever, you're your show you're sitting down with these prominent people and sharing a meal with them it kind of serves that that connection that we're all looking for after yes. you know so much isolation i think so I, I
0: hope so i hope that people can vicariously have the same experience my goal is for the listener or the viewer to feel like they're having the meal and conversation with the guest too you mm-hmm. know it's not just about me it's really about bringing that experience of having a meal with john bon jovi which is on season four i'll say that that's a spoiler alert um vicariously through you know to the viewer and the listener
1: yeah that's great this may be an equally hard question but do you always like the food at the restaurants you go to is there has there been a favorite meal it's hard to pick a favorite guest but is there a favorite
0: meal I really loved Saffron Nola with Ashley Longshore, the artist in New Orleans. She picked an Indian fusion restaurant. You think New Orleans, you think you don't think Indian, right? It's not That's a, it's not the first thing that comes to no. mind. It was so good. And the Vilcue family, Ashwin Vilcue and his mother and father and sister, uh, just amazing people. Really hospitality, a 10. Food, a 10. ambiance a 10. I just I love that meal. We'll have more on this conversation in just a minute, but first, thank you to our sponsors. To Dine For the podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. There's a funny thing about most insurance commercials, whether they feature lizards or birds or funny cartoon characters, it seems like they want you to think about anything but insurance. American National, on the other hand, has real local agents who get to know you so they can help you reach better decisions about your insurance to make sure you're protecting what matters most to you. American National agents are part of your community. They're your neighbors. So whether it's solutions for your home, your small business, your farm, or your life, you can count on your local American National agent to make sure you get the discounts you deserve and the protection you need without paying for extras you don't. With American National, you get an ally, not just a web page. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write in the states in which they're licensed, Visit americannational.com slash dine. If you're like me, there are times when you want to feel like you're having a fancy cocktail, but you don't actually want the alcohol. So I love Kentucky 74 from Spiritless. It's a distilled, non-alcoholic spirit for your favorite bourbon cocktails, but with just 15 calories per serving and none of the guilt. You can pre-order your bottle today at spiritless.com. Use the promo code to dine for to get free shipping. Now back to our conversation.
1: Yeah, you've been to some amazing restaurants, you know, all across the country, like Gramercy Tavern in New York. You mentioned Crustacean in Beverly Hills. Meanwhile, Mark Cuban chose IHOP. (laughs) Yes, he did. As his restaurant. What did did. you think of that? How did that
0: strike you? (laughs) Um, First of all, it made me laugh. What I appreciated about Mark's choice of IHOP was that that's really where he eats. He really does eat at that IHOP that we went to in Dallas. And uh, he loves it. And the reason, I'm always interested, not just on where someone chooses, but why. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the why, it's the story. And for him, he just feels like, when he goes to IHOP, he's treated like a regular person. And I think being as famous as he is and having so so much notoriety wherever he goes, people want to talk to him. I think IHOP, they treat him like just the next average Joe. And I think he actually really likes that. I don't think he said he even said this in the interview. He's like, Mr. Cuban. He doesn't want to hear um, people kind of brown nosing him. You know, he really wants he wants to feel like an average everyday guy. And he I love that conversation because Mark, you know, has such a persona on Shark Tank and on TV um, as, uh, you know, just this huge personality, huge ego. And I found him in our conversation to be anything but. I found him to be really um, sincere. I felt like he would have sat there for another hour with me and, and talked through the questions. And just, I just enjoyed that conversation so much. I yeah. really did.
1: And it goes to show, you know, what people's favorite restaurant yes. says about them, where yes. they take you. Yes. Um, I know for me, that's the last thing I would expect from what I – know about Mark Cuban, so. Yes, yes, you think fancy, right? Yeah. You think a very,
0: he could eat anywhere. He's a billionaire. He could right. Eat. Yeah, no, no, I think that says something, right? Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, a restaurant speaks to who they are. I recently did a podcast with someone who said, you know, restaurants were out of our realm of possibility growing up because we grew up so poor. And it really made me rethink the show because eating out is a luxury. It's mm-hmm. a privilege. It is something special, and I hope people always see it that way, because I did not set out to do a show that was elitist in any way. I set out to do a show that was inclusive and interesting and really revealing about people. And um, this conversation that I recently had made me rethink, you know, am I doing a show about just privileged people who can eat out? and it, and it made me really think about including all different types of experiences with food because it's true and i hope that the listener and the viewer always feels like their story is included and mm-hmm. you know in some ways we're going to some fabulous places and i hope it's aspirational and interesting but i also i hope they see their own story and where they love to eat in this show you know that's really the goal
1: yeah absolutely well i wanted to ask you mm-hmm about a time that you faced a setback in your career. Oh gosh. It's something
0: how, how long do you have?
1: It's something that I feel like you tend to ask your guests. Mm-hmm. Um, your guests are people who have, you know, built their own empires, mm-hmm. built their mm-hmm. own dreams. So tell me about that. Uh, gosh, well,
0: I will say this, having interviewed all of these incredibly successful and visionary minds, There's not a single one of them that hasn't gone through some incredibly difficult setback. And I think that that is inspiring and motivating. And I hope it is to people listening because it is usually in that worst day or that most difficult day or that setback that they get stronger, they get better, they get sharper. There is something about hunger that motivates us. And when things aren't going our way is when we really start thinking innovatively. When things are not working, is when we make them better. And I think that, you know, we all want success. We all want things to be smooth and going well, but that just isn't reality and that isn't the case. And, you know, I remember t- interviewing Sarah Blakely, the fir- first uh, self made female billionaire in the world who created Spanx, who's hilarious, one <laughs> of my favorite episodes. And, you know, she was talking about how, like, even to this day, you know with all her success her job is, as ceo is is crisis management and it's one problem after another and it's finding a solution and figuring things out and you know i think about you know had i not you know, been let go from CBS, I would never have created the show and, and had so much food for thought with this program. And, um, of course I didn't feel that in the moment when it was happening, it was really, really demoralizing and hard, Mm -hmm. but it allowed me to grow. I would definitely say that was a setback (laughs) without a doubt, but I've had a lot of little setbacks, um, You know, anyone in any career has, you know, things that don't go your way or jobs you don't get or just a bad day, you know, just something that you wanted to turn out well, whether it's writing a story or anchoring a newscast and it's just a a heck of a day and you have to find a way to kind of get past that. I recently had a call, you know, with a potential sponsor actually yesterday that was comically bad. I mean, I, I just came at this call with so much, you know, enthusiasm and energy and the woman who was, you know, a brand officer, CMO of a company was like, not having it, she was just shutting me down at every at every turn. I said, you know, I can't wait to hear more about your brand and how this could be a good fit for it to dine for. And she was like, Yeah, we'll see about that. And um, she's just a reminder: we only have thirty minutes. And I mean, just like every turn, you know, you're getting kind of slapped across the face. It's a,
1: it's a constant struggle.
0: It is a constant struggle, and you're not going to deal with people who bring the same energy. I think that's a, a great takeaway. Like in life everyone has a different energy coming at them and you have to maintain yours at at all costs Mm -hmm. because people's energy will try to affect you or will affect you and you have to really remember who you are and what, you, what makes you unique and keep bringing that because that's what's going to move the needle forward. It's going to get you where you want to go. And there's just a lot of people coming at you in life that are trying to bring you down or they don't even try. I don't even think it's like intentional. They just do. <laughs> so you have to come. I don't think I don't, I'm not going to they're not it's not sinister plot against you,
1: but you have to remember that it's not about you. right? Right. You didn't you know, create the show because you listen to people who are telling you now, right? And you know, you've built it now, but it's still still going strong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I, know. I, I feel like every day you have to wake up and say yes, yes. to all that, and it's true. you know, keep that positive, enthusiastic sort of energy. Oh, this creating the show was the
0: without a doubt the hardest thing I've ever done, and it required me to really dig deep as to why I did it, why I am doing it. And, you know, what I want the listener. I always think about the listener. I was with the show. I always think about the viewer. You know, what are they getting out of it? And for me, I'm simply a conduit sitting there across from this guest to tell an amazing story. And I think about that when we work on guest selection, when we work on editing, when we go over the script and the writing. And, you know, is this show inspiring people? Is it motivating people? And is it giving, telling them something they don't know, like a different perspective? You know, di- we talk about diversity in terms of race a lot. And that is so important, but it's diversity of thought, too, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's people from different disciplines and authors and artists and entrepreneurs and founders and architects this season that really make the show interesting and fresh. And that's really paramount. You know, we've got to keep thinking, let's really show people the world of possibility.
1: I think you already answered the next question I had. I was going to ask you what you hope your audience gets out of to dine for or, you know, in other words, why you created the show. But I think you've hit the nail on the head. I want
0: them to have fun Mm -hmm. and I want them to be engaged and I want them to walk away feeling different or learning something different. Just Mm -hmm. full stop. That's it. It, It's something worth their time. I want, you know, it's 30 minutes. Both the podcast and the show is both 30 minutes. And I want them to really have it be time well spent, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, Easier said than done. And that's really the goal of the show that they, they walk away feeling differently.
1: Yeah. So, what's next for To <laughs> Dine For? Can you can you reveal any dream guests you like, want to get on the show? Well, we have an, um, I'm really excited about season four of the PBS program
0: through American Public Television, the, the 10 episode series. It'll start in January 2022. I can tell you that. Um, we have many of the guests already lined up. And some of the, some of the episodes already filmed. It's going to be an amazing, amazing year that diversity of thought is really, you can, you, you can really tell with this next season, but as far as like dream guests, like who is kind of pie in the sky? People always ask me that. Mm-hmm. I mean, somebody that I'll tell you a couple people in order to get some of these guests, I do have to ask them multiple times. We just had um, a guest on we shot last week, Ellie, you were on set with us here in Chicago, and I spent almost two years trying to book this guest, and it was email after email, it was phone call, it was Zoom, it was exploratory call, it was like, let's think about this, let's table this, and it was just like, oh my gosh, is this ever going to happen, and finally, you saw the culmination, it turned Came out great.
1: fruition. It
0: did, it was great, wasn't it? Was a great it?
1: interview, yeah.
0: yeah. talk about a tease on that one. Um but someone, uh, Whitney Wolf Heard, and she is the CEO of Bumble, which is the dating app where women ask men out. I am fascinated by her story, what she has had to go through. She did, she started a company prior to that and dealt with a lot of sexual harassment and was able to extricate herself from that situation and go on to create a company bigger and better and, and really very much female empowerment. And mm-hmm. I just think she's an absolute rock star. I would, I think she would be amazing on To Dine For. Um, you know, there's always people like Elon Musk. We interviewed his brother, uh, Kimball Musk. He was incredible. Uh, he is a chef and entrepreneur and food advocate in Boulder, Colorado. And it was a tremendous interview. And I really got a, a feel and understanding of the Musk family. And what it must have been like growing up in South Africa uh, with their family, a difficult situation, and you know really the brilliant minds of that whole family, including the sister and the mother. I would say Elon would be on the top of the list, Mm -hmm. but yeah, there's a long list of people that I think would be truly fascinating. And, you know, we've, we've put requests out. So fingers crossed on some of these.
1: Yeah. You put it out there. Just (laughs) hope for for the best. Yes, Send all those emails. Yes. Well, those are all the questions that I have for Mm -hmm. you, but is there anything else you want to say to your listeners? Yeah. You know, I,
0: I thank you for that. I, I just thank you. It has been an amazing year of really fascinating conversations You know, we started with Jamal Cole here in Chicago, who is a community activist and a truly inspiring story. T.D. Jakes, the famous bishop out of uh, Dallas and uh, known as America's preacher. We had a conversation on race and faith and, you know, what's ahead for him. We've interviewed the founder of Warby Parker and we've interviewed Franklin Leonard from The Blacklist, whose story is incredible. Of really making screenwriting um, a little bit more equitable and accessible for everyday writers. Um, I'm fascinated by stories that are both creative and entrepreneurial. So um, I'd love to hear from you. My email is to dine4tv at gmail.com. If you ever have an idea for not only a guest or a comment about the show, you know, something that's inspired you. I I live for, you know, this episode resonated with me. I got one yesterday from um, a teacher in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, that said, keep inspiring people. And, you know, we don't do this program for the money. We do it for that. You know, we do that to make an impact. And it's my little way of making an impact in the world is to just tell these incredible stories Over delicious food and give you some food for thought. So, Mm -hmm. thank you, Ellie, for kind of guiding me through some of those questions. And thank you to the listeners of To Dine for the Podcast. We've got some amazing episodes coming up in the next few weeks. They're all lined up. So, thanks for listening to this. And I look forward to joining you next week with a new episode of the second season of To Dine for the Podcast. Thanks for listening to To Dine for the Podcast. For more information on the show, the guests, and the podcast, head to todinefortv.com. You can find us on Instagram at todinefortv tv and Facebook at for 4 Kate Sullivan. Thanks to the sponsors of tedine for the podcast, American National, and Spiritless. Special thank you to producer and sound editor John Golmer. To the loyal followers of this program, cheers, stay hungry, and stay inspired. I'll see you back at the table soon.